Welcome to Alternative Fund Insight, exploring the trends and meeting the personalities driving hedge funds and private markets. This episode is brought to you in association with the Independent Research Forum, enabling professional investors to access a wide range of high-quality independent research through a diverse group of hand-picked providers. IRF publishes a fortnightly newsletter highlighting the latest original and thought-provoking research. For more information, visit independentresearchforum.com. This week I am joined by Ken Hines, long-time hedge fund industry expert and president of HFR, the Chicago-based research firm. We discuss the industry outlook at the start of 2024, performance trends, investor sentiment, the state of the launch market and much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you find it valuable, you will definitely find value in AFI membership, which offers unparalleled hedge fund industry analysis and intel. Head to alternativefundinsight.com to start your AFI journey by signing up for the free weekly newsletter. Ken, thank you for joining me on AFI. And I want to start with hedge fund performance. Let's look at last year. There's a lot of talk in the prime brokerage reports that it was really the the reverse of what happened in 2022. How do you see it? Yeah, it was a good year for performance. Um, As I think back on 2023, It was an interesting year in the markets because it was one where the year ended up a lot better than it actually felt for most of the year, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, You know, we, it, 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 because it ended on a very strong risk on market cycle, people felt like the year was really good, but the reality was most of the gains were concentrated in the handful of seven large cap tech stocks. Um, and there was a lot of challenging market cycles. So even though it ended up in a good place, I mean, you had uh, a, a start, the year started with the inflation concerns, which have been going on for two years. We had a powerful, challenging cycle of bank risk. Uh, then obviously a lot of positive tailwind from the AI and uh, and then more concerns about interest rates before finally ending the year on a good note. So overall, it was a year that ended up very well, but there was a lot of challenges over the course of the year. I do think, though, as you look forward, there's a real important thing that I want to highlight today. And that's this concept. You've heard the words breakdown in historical correlation between mm-hmm stocks and bonds. And you've heard people talk about that. They've really talked about it a lot the last two years. But I think this is a very, very important thing that I wanted to just share today. Because if you look at the correlation between stocks and bonds, historically, I have data showing 20 plus years, but I bet if you took it back 50 years, it would show the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Always negatively correlated, negative to the tune of negative 0.5, which means there's a natural hedging to owning stocks and bonds, which is the whole fundamental underpinning of strategies that are 60-40 and things like this, is that one's going up, the other's going down, and generally 
you do pretty well, that sort of natural hedging. And it's been the case for as long as anybody can remember. Mm. If you look at it in the last two years, those two are positively correlated to the tune of positive 0.5. And so this is a very strong evidence the market has changed. And you know people can debate macroeconomically, why has it changed? Is it because of QE? And is it because of the quarantine? Is it because of inflation and the US raising rates so rapidly? It can be all of those things, or it can be other things too. But the fact is, it has changed. And as that per pertains to hedge fund performance, it's a very, very important concept because what used to be a natural hedge for as long as anybody can remember is now a source of volatility. It's now almost a source of leverage. And so the idea of having uncorrelated returns and negative returns has never been more important than it is right now. And so that's so, why I think yeah. the outlook for 2024 is very compelling. So it really uh, drives the case forward for alternative investment products and for absolutely um, having a, a higher proportion of their portfolios in alternatives. Um, and as, as you say, there's been lots of talk about that and particularly the link between 60-40 often breaking down in periods of higher inflation, um, higher interest rates. I think that takes us nicely to credit strategies, which have been generating so much buzz in the industry at the start of 2024. Performance has been good recently, and the research that you put out showed that uh, fixed income relative value led the way in January. Um, it seems to be top of investor wish lists at the moment. They want more exposure to credit hedge fund strategies. Yes, I think rightfully so. Uh, it is a very good time for credit strategies. And I think what you see going on is you see uh, you see alternatives and hedge funds are really filling the void left by several years of bank retrenchment. And so when it comes to all of these niche areas of finance, all of the big, big bulge bracket wirehouse banks are pulling back the lending that they're doing. Oh, you know, we'll do this, but not that. We'll do this, but not that. We'll do this. And, and a lot of it's driven by, you know, higher costs of capital and regulatory initiatives that are getting pushed through that are forcing the banks to pull back from areas of lending that they had historically done. And who comes in? It's when private capital comes in and fills that void as a liquidity provider. That's where it creates opportunities in certain areas of specialized niche lending that are just being vacated by large banks and being driven by, by regulatory initiatives and higher cost of capital on those certain things. And so that's why it makes a lot of sense for investors to be looking at credit multi-strategies because the opportunity set, as banks pull back from certain areas, the, the lending opportunity is still there. It gets filled by hedge fund capital or other alternative capital, private credit and things like that. And that's why you're seeing strong performance. And I would expect that trend to continue in 2024. Yeah, interesting. I want to talk to you about hedge fund launches. Uh, it's a big area of interest for the AFI audience. Now, the HFR data I saw showed that in the middle of last year, launches actually started to outpace closures in the hedge fund market for the first time in more than a year after there had been a lot of closure activity. I wanted to ask you what is driving that. Do you think it's doubts over the multi-manager model and 
um, launches coming back from the platforms. Do you think it's the general increased appetite over the investment outlook in general? Yes, I think. Well, if we look at let's look at the last four years, launching funds has been a pretty challenging experience going all over. It was it was great in 2019. But since then, that was four years ago now, uh, you've had, a, you know, the most extremely difficult launch environment, the global quarantine and the, the huge amount of volatility then. And then you fast forward right through that to the period of of record generational inflation and record speed of interest rate increases. And, and so that contributed to a risk off in sentiment, which not only affects the type, you know, hedge fund performance and the type of hedge funds that people were allocating to, but the propensity in the company to come up with, hey, I want to, you know, it's a lot different running $10 billion fund than saying, hey, be my first investor, you know, give me five or 10 million bucks or 20 million bucks and uh, or pounds and uh, let's get this started. That's a very difficult conversation to have over the last four years. And it's absolutely gotten, it's gotten more easy, more logical. They're able to, and when investors have a risk on type of sentiment, they're willing to take that kind of risk that they're not willing to take over the past four years. So I think there's a lot of latent demand. As far as the multi-strategies, I think those, I don't think those are inhibiting launches. I think that the multi-strategy model is strong and has never been stronger. Um, I think people are launching those as well. And I think that with a lot of broadening out, I think a lot of multi-strategies now, um, they've really gotten to the point where it's not a multi-strategy like it's five strategies. It's a multi-strategy like a pod trading strategy where there could be 100, 200, 300 different trading pods that are all across the world that really capture the specialization of a very sophisticated, advanced team as part of an overall portfolio. And so I think there's launches of funds in specialty areas, particularly in cryptocurrency and very progressive areas. But I think that um, that the multi-strategy model is strong. And I think that's also supportive of additional launches. Yeah, well, that, that's really interesting, actually, that it actually feeds into the strength of the launch market too, because um, new startups are adopting a multi-strat or multi-manager model or a variation of it, because I know there is pushback in some quarters against the, the pod shop approach. Which, Most people in the States seem to like it a lot. Yeah, Most investors in the states are very uh, are very motivated, and and they think that that's a really, um, really good thing. On the performance side, it was interesting. The PMP Paribas note that came out suggested that uh, the net return of hedge funds with a, a standard hedge fund fee model actually outperformed pass through last year. After it was the other way around for the the past two years, which, which suggests a bit of a comeback for the regular hedge fund model. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I that all seems plausible to me, and I did see this BNP report that you're talking about. Um, I guess my first comment would be when you talk about the fee structure, 
and the pass-through component of it, there's a pretty small, they're not like two different equal groups in the industry. There's a very, very small contingency that employ the fee mod, the, the pass-through model. Mm -hmm. And and as we highlight in our December end press release, fees have continued to come down both um, management and incentive, although it, it can vary from quarter to quarter. But really, when you think about, so pass-through pass -through models are really more a function of people that are able to to have that typically you have to have a significant amount of leverage in the uh in the relationship to to have those most commonly you have fee structures that are lower than two and 20 whether it's one and a half and 18 or 17 and things like this mm -hmm. you have all of those for sure but i think when i when i think about fee structure really it's thinking about a hedge fund less like a hedge fund and more like a standard business in that I think the fees reflect interest rates, inflation, and as we were talking about with multi-strategies, um, they reflect employment, the, the tightness of the employment market. And so the trends that we talk about that are driving fees are not, I think, unique to the hedge fund industry, but more general trends that apply to businesses throughout the economy yeah yeah and just quickly on fees so you know I, I know over the years you've you've noted them coming down from that two and 20 standard um does that continue to be the case and what about investors who are interested in some kind of hurdle rate that it incorporates the risk-free rate yes you do see that and that more commonly now and you know with the last two years and the risk free rate has become um something reasonable from what it was a few years ago and for a few years it was really so low that it almost became you know it didn't, it didn't hardly matter it was so low yeah. whether you had a risk free rate hurdle or not um and so yeah they have come down. It varies a little bit from quarter to quarter. We do have analysis which talks about, and we look at it different ways. We look at it as an average of the whole, which is a huge number. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit like a glacier though, because changes that occur very recently aren't enough to move the dial of the whole average. And so we do we do breakdowns, we call them vintages, where we say, what are the what are the fees? It's a smaller sample, but it's more indicative of a current trend, if you follow what I'm saying. And so that's the logic of publishing these and saying, well, here's the average of the whole, but that includes a lot of funds that are $20 billion and have, uh, you know, uh, a waiting list that's, uh, you know, three years long to get into them. They're not, um, you know, they're not needing to, have their fees reflect, you know, any type of, uh, any type of trend or, or fee pressure that may be pronounced on other people. Obviously, starting a fund, you, you or having a smaller fund running that, you need to offer a compelling value proposition for investors, which typically 
um, which typically, in addition to showing strong performance, also has a be a competitive economic value proposition. And I think that's what we're seeing. So certainly looking at the vintages in terms of the quarterly or all the launches over the course of 2023, what were the fees of newly launched funds over those periods presents an interesting contrast between the whole industry, which takes funds of every size and and uh, and length of track record into consideration. Yeah. And what are fees looking like in that startup portion? Yes, they're 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 lower. The um, I, I, the uh, the data that um, I think that that our data shows that the management fees are in the neighborhood of one point, and the um, the incentive fees into the 17, 17 percent on average. So yeah. a bit lower, but again, that comes down to. Um, making an economic value proposition in order to grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I, I want to take you back to what we were talking about at the start now, this this new market and investment paradigm that we're entering. There are more alpha opportunities out there now for, for hedge fund managers, for other alternative managers. So this, this higher rate environment has has changed the game. Um, for hedge funds and for asset allocators. Could you pick out two or three of the key trends ahead for this year as the industry looks to you know, have a strong year? It's still hovering around the four trillion mark, but the, there hasn't been big asset growth for a while now. Could What could drive that? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, yeah, I neglected to say at the beginning, the industry does begin the year um, at 4.1 trillion in excess uh, or at, at an all-time record high, which is very exciting. The last four years, growth has been challenging for all the reasons that we've talked about. But I think a lot of those are set, are kind of in the process of changing now. I think institutional investors are very, uh, they have a good memory of the volatility that they have uh, been exposed to and the portfolio volatility they've been exposed to over the last few years. And that, you know, that uh, the ring of that bell is not going away anytime soon. People really understand the idea of reducing your equity correlation. And, and people are well aware of the fact that for, most, for the 10 of the 12 months last year, all of the gains in stock markets were concentrated in just a, a few handful, uh, a, a few, you know, seven or so names. And so I think as you look at this year, certainly I think the biggest opportunity is in normalizing the economy, having the economy normalized from what it's been a very abnormal year, um, and then, and then, and I also want to talk about one one big risk, but normalizing of the economy and having, I think, there's been a lot of latent demand for M and A. We've seen that at the end of 2023 and 2024. That as those as the economy starts to normalize and people aren't focused on inflation and how high interest rates are going to go or how soon the economy is going 
going to go into recession, people can actually start to think about growing businesses and strategic acquisitions and financial acquisitions and shareholder activists come into underperforming companies and make changes. We're seeing that with Disney right now, where people get very, um, they get a lot of, uh, uh, of, uh, of excitement about those types of situations or aggressive in those types of situations. And I think that as you look at the first half of the year into the middle part of the year, my expectation is that that's a really strong area of performance. And I think that's going to drive gains in 2023. I wanted to comment earlier as well, because you talked about credit strategies and how, how in favor they are. And I think that's really great because, you know, you really think about this. They've seen the most challenging environment that anybody could have made up in the last two years. And they, they have positive performance through it. I mean, you've seen the, the fastest, highest interest, not that interest rates in an absolute historical sense are that high, but they're just a lot higher than they were 20 months ago. And that speed, the fact that the in, most interest rate sensitive area of the market is actually gained through what was the, the most challenging headwind you could have come up with. I think that's very constructive. The expected returns for hedge funds are higher because of higher risk-free rates. And if you take all of the periods of performance and you just put them into two groups and said every, every month where the risk-free rate is higher than 4% or lower than 4%, you just create two groups and take the, the difference of the average performance over those two months, it's statistically significant higher in higher interest rates environments. So even though obviously, you know, lower interest rates, you know, lower interest rates are, are generally better for companies, hedge fund performance is higher when rates are higher. And so I think that's why there's a lot of reason. And that's just because that you have a greater amount of carry. You, you By the time you have higher amount of carry on risk-free rate and you have leverage on top of that, you have and you have wider spreads because rates are higher. The 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 nominal level of performance that you can generate is a lot better than when interest rates are zero. And people should be very enthusiastic about performance in 2024. I do want to add one more, I guess you could say, element of risk, and this is something yeah. that is. Um, I think unique to this environment in a, in a generational sense, it's something that no, very few investors now have ever thought about this risk the way it is. And that's, um, as you can probably say, geopolitical risk. Mm. It's never been higher than what it is right now. The potential for dislocations driven by, I mean, because, so it starts with, you know, whatever, I guess we're coming up on year three in, uh, the Ukraine-Russia situation, um, we've got that. We've got an unstable military uh, conflict in Israel that has broadened out now. And you've got um, conflict with in, in Yemen, in the Red Sea, uh, with groups there. Uh, th and then there's the potential for military conflict if, if one were to break out in Asia or something like that. Uh, and so geopolitical risk 
has never been higher than what it is right now in a, in a generational sense. You, nobody can think of a period, even going back to 1960, where you had so much geopolitical risk going on at the same time. And you have a U.S. election year, which obviously opens itself up to, you know, are we going to have significant policy changes and policy responses? Um, is that going to transpire as well? And so geopolitical uncertainty has never been higher, which is even another reason, in addition to everything we've talked about, why investors should be thinking about these things and positioning with managers that are very knowledgeable and specialized and thoughtful about these trends, because then it's, it's a very complex um, it's a very complex trend to be navigating. And that's why I think it's important that investors are thinking about all these things. Yeah, so it definitely uh, supports the case for active management, doesn't it, rather than a passive approach when you've got all of these problems to negotiate. In the current environment, for sure. Okay, Ken, let's leave it there. Thank you for contributing your insights today. Great to have you on, and we'll speak again soon. Will, thank you so much. Look forward to uh, to catching up again in London and have a good Valentine's Day as well. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. Yeah, take it easy now. If you haven't already, please follow AFI on LinkedIn and sign up to our free newsletter at alternativefundinsights.com, providing an essential weekly update for senior hedge fund industry decision makers. If you are looking for more information about hedge fund launches, performance or other business intelligence, please consider membership. Contact me for sample content or a demo of what AFI offers. That's it for now. Until next time on Alternative Fund Insight.